1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome to On The Market. This is York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Asif, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm sure our listeners would be interested in a look ahead to 2019, but let's start first with how would you characterize 2018 in terms of real estate and the market? In one word, distraction. There was so much going on in 2018 and and people were just, you know, caught off guard. They were sitting on the fence because they didn't know what was going to happen. So, you know, let's start from January. We had the stress test. You know, then we moved in. uh, It was election time. There was talk of municipal land transfer taxes being put in. There was uh, interest rate hikes. So there was so much going on in 2018 that people's heads were spinning, not only as sellers, but as buyers. And and you could feel that negative energy or, or almost like everything was on a holding pattern or a standstill because nothing happened from January till June. It wasn't until after the election that things started to settle down. Consumer confidence started coming back. There was more certainty in the market. And that's when the market started to take off. So Yeah, that's one word that you could sum it up with is distraction. Distraction. Now, you said that the market kind of took off in June. Was that too late to recover what was already, you know, lost early in 2018? It sure was. I mean, if you look at the numbers, Toronto on average sells about 93 to 95,000 homes. When the numbers come out, uh, you know, we saw that the numbers were off significantly from, you know, 2017 or 2016 levels. And that was because everyone was just waiting. You know, we talked about uh, in our last show when we were predicting 2019 that 2019 would start off kind of like 2009 did. It would be on fire. We've already seen that in the first few days. We've, we've seen properties moving. And that's because there was so much pent-up demand. And there was so much uncertainty that people were just waiting to see what happened. And now there's a new energy out there and and people are ready to go. And, you know, you've been in this business um, a long time. Was 2018 that horrible in terms of real estate? Was it that bad? Or are we comparing it to years that were very unusual in your business? At the beginning of 2018, it was bad. It was probably one of the worst years that we've seen or the worst starts to a year that we've seen. If you if you split the year up into two different halves, the second part was on par with most years. The first half was so bad that even though we had, you know, for 2018, the second half was phenomenal and it wasn't enough to make up for the losses that we had in the first part of 2018. So it, it's almost like it was a bipolar year where it was totally different from January to May than it was from June to December. And there wasn't enough of a recovery in there. Yeah, and the recovery, if you look at the recovery, it was significant, however, not enough. Not enough. Yeah. Now, in terms of 2018, we started that year and we talked a great deal about the stress test. We've had a year of it now. Now what happens going forward in 2019? I think it's time for the stress test to be revisited because let's, Let's take a step back and talk about why 
the stress test was implemented. The stress test was brought in because we were seeing rates of 2.3%, 2.5%, and everyone was worried that these people getting mortgages at 2.3 or 2.5, well, there's going to be some increases coming up. Will they be able to afford their mortgage? Now, we've seen those increases. This is what people had predicted. You had to qualify for 2% over the rate in order to make sure that the banks knew that you could afford this property in case there were interest rate hikes. Interest rates did go up and they went up by, you know, 1%, 1.5% in total from what you were paying back in 2016 or 2017. So now that we've done that, are the banks expecting the rates to go higher? And the general feeling out there is no, they're not. This is going to be where we are, you know, 4.5%, 5%. We don't expect them to go to 7 or 8 or 9%. So is the stress test overkill right now? And that's a question that, you know, the banks may need to ask themselves, the government needs to ask themselves is, you know, what are we doing? Because if people can afford these rates and they're not expected to go up significantly, maybe scale the stress test back, maybe make it 1% over. And that's going to help a lot more people buy homes. We're talking about affordability. We're talking about increasing supply. We also have to look at financing because not everyone's going to pay cash for these houses. So let's take a look at the stress test again. And how realistic do you think that is, that it would be reviewed and possibly clawed back, if you would call it that? I think it's a necessity. I, I think if people are looking at, you know, affordability, a stress test affected purchasing power by 16%. That's, that's a lot of home. So, you know, do we want everyone to, you know, fit into a smaller home or a condo now? Is that where we're going with this? It, it really doesn't make sense anymore. At 2.5%, at sure, it made a lot of sense because rates were going to go up. You cannot go lower than the rate that you had back then. But are we really expecting people to qualify for an 8 or 9% rate right now when they're getting mortgages for 45 or 5%? We're not going to hit that 8 or 9%. So why are we making them qualify for a, a fictitious rate that we'll never get there? Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens in that regard. Now, you described 2018 in the real estate market as distraction. How would you describe 2019 if you were looking ahead? Optimism. There's a, there's a, a huge sense of optimism out there. Everyone has, uh, you know, the people that were sitting on the fence now are ready to go. And, and that's what you're going to see in the next few weeks. You will start to see, obviously, the numbers for January, February, March, April, May should surpass 2018's January to May. So, you know, they, they may be skewed in a bit that, remember, that was, we couldn't compare 2018 to 17 because 2017 was a phenomenal year. Right. We can't compare 2019 to 2018 because it was a horrible year. Right. So if we start looking at 2016 numbers so that 2019 has an apples to apples comparison, that's when you're going to start to see that the market is back to a normal market. And does that include affordability? It does. We, we didn't see the you know, exorbitant increases that we did through 2017. And so, you know, you're going to start to see a more balanced market, a normal market, and affordability will return to the picture. And I know that we talked about this late in 2018, about the average price of a home was down a bit. And that was because, as you suggested, um, listeners were and buyers were getting into the condo market because they couldn't get into the housing market. Do you expect that to continue? I think we'll still, the condo market will still remain strong. And now it's a lifestyle issue too. A lot of the millennials and the, and the younger families, 
don't mind going to the condo lifestyle or the townhouse lifestyle. Uh, you know, no longer is a large backyard a necessity because a lot of these subdivisions have huge parks and and common areas where families will gather after work. So that huge backyard, the huge lot isn't as imperative as it used to be because everyone wanted that house with the large yard before. Uh, you've got both parents working in, in some families right now. So, and the kids are at school or they're, they're at daycare after. So you don't need the, the maintenance and, and that aspect of it as well. So people are okay with going to a larger condo or a smaller townhome with less of a yard and less maintenance. All right. Well, we'll be here to watch the real estate market right through 2019. When we come back, technology and the business of real estate. Stay with us. You're listening to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Our focus next is technology and real estate. And Asif, we have a guest joining us from Vancouver. That's right, Tina. Joining us next is Stephen Jagger. Stephen's a co-founder of IMRE, a company that runs an artificial intelligence personal assistant for realtors. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Stephen, can you tell us a little bit uh, and our listeners about your company and what is IMRE? Yeah, so um, Imri is basically an AI chatbot platform for real estate agents and real estate developers. So it's a, you know it's an SMS-based uh, or Facebook Messenger or live chat-based platform that um, uses some artificial intelligence and some machine learning, and you know enables real estate agents, real estate developers to respond to consumer inquiries 24/7. This is awesome. Now, when did this start? When did this company Imri start and how did you see a niche? I know you're really entrenched in uh, in the tech side of real estate, but you, you saw a niche in the marketplace, and what was that? Yeah, so my business partner uh, Mike Stevenson and I've been you know building software companies for 18 years now, and we've we've been in the real estate software space before. We used to have a company called Ubertor that did you know realtor website websites websites, and um, we had that company for about 10 years, and we we learned a lot about what realtors do and you know, what they're really great at and what we can assist with. And um, as technology has changed over the time, um, and we saw what chatbots were doing um, in other industries, we thought that there was an opportunity to, you know, bring a chatbot platform into the real estate world to help um, realtors, you know, do this. You know, realtors are generally quite busy. They're always running around, driving around. There's no real hours for a realtor. They don't work nine to five. Um, but there's lots of times where consumers are messaging them, asking kind of those lower, not low end question, but early, early questions in the, in the sales process around, you know, pricing of a house. Can I see the floor plan? Can I see the feature sheet? Can I have a photo of the kitchen? Just all of those basic stuff. Sometimes those are really good, hot sort of leads. Many times they're just a tire kicker type uh, consumer that's just asking a handful of questions and then they're on their way. And so, what we wanted to do was, you know, enable the realtor to be able to respond to those inquiries very quickly um, and accurately with, with a, a, a platform that does that for them 24 hours a day, um, but also to free up the realtor to be able to kind of do the higher level tasks, 
right? If, if a realtor is doing a listing presentation or in the middle of a negotiation for a, a buy or a sell, they probably shouldn't be taking their phone and taking a moment to stop and text some random consumer that's, uh, that's reached out. They, you know, they should be focusing on that, you know, that high-end negotiation or that task that they're working on. But that doesn't mean that those you know, inquiries should be left behind. And that's kind of where our platform is meant to be is, is help answer those initial you know, 20, 30% of questions so that the, the realtor can, um, can step in later after the bot has, has handled and sort of firmed up a lead for them. And, and you know that's great. That's a great point because you know being on the online lead generation part for our brokerage, we see a lot of leads come through at one in the morning and four in the morning. And and people that are on, you know, they may have worked a night shift and they've just gotten back, or or maybe they're working overnight and that's when they're on the computer. They don't need you to get back to them at nine thirty in the morning when you're working. They need instant gratification for their questions. So a system like this would really help realtors and the consumer as well. Yeah, I think every realtor conference I've ever been to, and I'm sure you're probably the same, is you know whatever the speaker is that's up on stage is basically harping on the fact that realtors need to respond within five minutes. And it's probably not even five minutes anymore. It's faster than that. Otherwise, that consumer's moved on and gone somewhere else um, and found somebody else to talk to or found their information in a different way. And so it's uh, it's so important to be able just to, you know, do this stuff really, really quickly. And like you say, you get 24 hours a day. You guys are a good example. You're over in Toronto. You reached out to me. I'm here in Vancouver. I'm three hours behind. Like there's, there's examples like that all day long of consumers in different time zones. Um, but it's the normal work day for them, but it's super early or super late for the realtor. And this is where the, you know, chatbot can, can assist in those types of uh, scenarios. And is there someone, is there an actual live body attached to this chat box or, or how does it work? No, yeah, so no, there's not. Um, the, the platform has been designed to be very smart about something very small. So we're not trying to be like Alexa or uh, Amazon uh, Siri. I'm sorry, other way around. Um, but the, the, the idea is to be very smart about residential real estate for sale. So um, the bot can handle and understand all there is to know about a realtor's personal listings um, and can, you know, understand using natural language, you know, understand the, the questions that are coming in and respond accordingly. Um, there's a confidence rating that we built into the platform that the, the system gives a, a confidence rating to every single question um, that comes in. And if it's less than 90% confident, it'll notify our team and our team can look in and understand, like, wh- what was the question and why was the bot not confident in its response? And depending on that confidence rating will kind of dictate what the bot does. Um, if the confidence rating is like really, really low, the bot will say something to the effect of, I'm not sure about that. You know, I've notified Asset to, to get back to you. And it's just sort of opting out of the, the conversation or that specific question. Um, or where it's something like we've trained the bot where it's, it's, a, it's, it's asking a question that the bot shouldn't answer. An example of that would be, um, how's the market in Toronto? Um, you know, a chatbot shouldn't be responding to that. It's a very subjective question. There's a lot of follow-up questions. A realtor would say, well, like, Toronto's a big place. They're talking houses, condos, townhouses. Like, you know, there's a lot of follow-up to that, and that, that's more of a buyer question that a realtor should be handling. And so we've built um, conversation flows around those as considered like a hot lead, but the, the bot won't answer it directly, but will pass the lead off, but tell the consumer you know, that that's what's happening. You know, I'm not the best person to, to answer that, and I've, you know, I've let the realtor know to, to get in touch with you. Um, You've given us an example of, of, of what it, 
you've given us an example, I'm sorry to interrupt you, of what um, types of questions might be redirected. So what types of questions is it prepared to answer? Oh, thousands of them. So if you're interested in a house, let's just say some random single-family house, your average consumer has some very basic questions that they want to know. Um, and those are, what's the price, how big is it, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms? Generally, if, those, if the answers to those questions are not what you're looking for, you generally have no more questions. Right? If you're looking for a $500,000 house and the property is worth $3 million, it doesn't matter how big or small it is, there's just, you've got no more questions, you're going to move on to the next property that might fit. Um, and so, but if, if you do ask those questions and the bot answers them and you still like it, you can keep going. You can say, you know, can I have a, a copy of the floor plan? Can I see a picture of the basement? Can I, how big's the lot? How big's the, the, the property? How many, how many rooms total in the house? Um, what's the roof made of? When was it built? Uh, what zoning is it? You know, there's, 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 you know, tons of detail that can be answered, um, by a bot depending on what that consumer is um, interested in. And one of the neat things about it is the more questions the consumer asks, that'll also trigger the bot to notify their realtor, their sort of their admin or their kind of their owner. Um, because, you know, if they're asking a lot of, you know, a lot of questions, that's obviously a very good sign. So we want the bot to act kind of like an assistant and notify the realtor saying, hey, I'm having a great conversation with this person. They've asked me seven questions about this specific property. Kind of giving the the realtor, you know, a phone number and name and a lead to, to go and talk, you know, call and, and talk to and kind of take it to the next level. Wow. Yeah, Stephen, you said that uh, a lot of the interaction is through text and Facebook Messenger now. Is there an algorithm built in so you could kind of derive those uh, platforms or, or those contact details from the uh, consumer's email address or how does that work? Yeah, so when someone starts the conversation off in SMS, we've already got their phone number. Right. We've got the we've got the phone number that they texted in from, and then the bot slowly works to figure out more details around uh, that you know the person on the other end of the phone. So if they're SMSing in, the bot will is smart enough to know that it doesn't need to ask for a phone number because it's already got it. But after I think you ask two questions to the bot, the bot will say something like, "By the way, what's your name?" Most people, um, just like a polite question, and it's, you know, people just generally do it. Most people just answer with their name, sometimes their first name, sometimes their full name. Um, and now the bot can associate that name with the phone number. And then if you ask for like a file of some sort of floor plan, a feature sheet or something, the bot could definitely just send it by SMS, but it doesn't do that by default. It says, it, you know, if you said, can I have a floor plan? It'll say, sure, what's your email address? And I'll send that over to you. Most people think that's kind of a fair trade. I do want the floor plan, so I will give you my email. They'll put their email in. The bot will associate that email with that name and that phone number, and it'll also email that file over to the consumer, and it BCCs the realtor on the email so the realtor can see it in their inbox that the bot had sent some file to somebody's email address um, so that the realtor can follow up with that. Um, on the Facebook side, it works a little bit differently. When the consumer starts talking to the bot, the bot from Facebook, we already have their first name, last name, gender, and time zone, but we don't have their email and um, phone number. So if they start asking for files, it'll be the same thing with an email. But if they ask for a call back, the bot knows that they're talking through Facebook and they don't, uh, you know, they don't already have the phone number, so it will ask for um, a phone number so the realtor can respond. So it, it kind of handles it um, a little bit differently depending on the channel that the, the consumer is coming to. That's awesome. Now, we have a huge following of, of realtors on this show. So before we move on to my next question, maybe you can provide us with 
you know, how do people get a hold of you to find out more or to implement this into their systems? Sure, yeah. The easiest way is to go to, go to the website. It's imre.ca, I-M-R-E dot C-A. Um, there's a free version of our product or a $10 a month version of the product. Um, if they want, they can use the promo code. Just use my name, Steve Jagger. It'll give them uh, one month free if they wanted to give it a shot. Awesome. And, you know, I'm not surprised by the technology because, you know, I was one of the first ones to jump on Uber when you had those websites back in 2010 or so. And then now we're hearing about Emory. But there's also one more thing that you've developed and it's really piqued my interest. And, you know, I want to I want to see how that's going. And that's that's the, the joint buyer program for people to get into the market, such as Vancouver and, and maybe even Toronto, but IMBY. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so this, um, this company is called Imby, um, and if you want to go to imbyx.com, I-M-B-Y-X.com, it's basically a micro-investing platform. Um, we wanted to figure out a way to be able to help people get um, involved in the you know, real estate as an asset class. Um, most people, you're either 100% into the market or you're 100% out. Um, there's kind of very little wiggle room for, you know, finding other ways to be invested in real estate. And in cities like Vancouver and Toronto, those people that are 100% in are generally like, you know, more than 100%. Like they're just, they're all in to the point that they're stretching to be in to the market. Um, and the idea behind MB was to build a platform to allow micro-investments um, into specific real estate um, addresses so you can buy into a very specific property. So the first property that was on the platform is a, a single-family house on Trout Lake here in Vancouver. Um, there's 287 investors in that property. Um, it was worth or sold for $1.638 million. Um, and of those 287 people, um, I think 37% or 38% of them are between the ages of 19 and 35. So there's a, you know, it's, it's, it's those, you know, those people, that age group that's generally in, in these, these markets like Vancouver and Toronto that are kind of locked out of it. And so what we wanted to do is provide a way for people to be able to get into it. You know, that's awesome because one of the questions I get most often from parents is, I said, what are my kids going to buy when they're older? And, you know, Parents could probably invest for their kids right now into some properties, such as the ones that MB provides, and they can eventually, you know, maybe cash out of those uh, when they're 18 or 19 or 20 and be able to purchase their own property. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea is that, you know, that you can put your money to work in the, in the real estate asset class. And, it, and the way the technology works is you can do it for as little as $1. Um, and so that's, you know, obviously putting $1 in is not the most effective way to, you know, invest in real estate. But the point is that there's no barrier to entry. You can, um, you can do, you know, $50, $500, $3,000, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, it, it sort of, there, there's no rules or no restrictions on what a person can, um, you know, the amount that they can invest. That's great news, Stephen. Thank you so much for you know taking the initiative and, and two great initiatives to help make real estate more consumer friendly. Yeah, no problem. It's they're very very different businesses, but uh, it's uh, exciting times for sure. Stephen, thank you for joining us on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me.
When we come back, we get to your real estate questions. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com and click on On the Market. You're listening to 1059 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Time now for our listener questions, our first ones of 2019. Ready, set, Asif? Ready. Okay, the first one comes from Wayne in Markham. He wants to know how and who comes up with the selling price of a home. Great question. And, you know, sometimes we don't even know. <laughs> but, uh, no, what it is, is it's a combination of market statistics and what the seller has put into the home. So there's there's some calculations that are done to say this is what the market has shown as being the market price of this home. These are the upgrades that you've done or at some point, there there's upgrades that haven't been done and have to be deducted from the market price. So if everyone on the street that sold had a finished basement and you don't have a finished basement, there's a deduction made to the market price. If uh, you know nobody had a finished basement, it's a newer area, but you had a professionally finished basement, then you add to the market price. So there's a lot of calculations that uh, need to be done to determine the actual price of that home. And that's why when you're looking at market values on the internet, they're not accurate. You need someone to actually physically go in and assess everything that's been done to that home or not been done to that home and come up with uh, with a price. Okay. Wayne has part two of his question. He says, is the price negotiable? I would suggest it is, isn't it? It is. I mean, it really depends, again, on what it's priced at. Some people will price it a little bit lower and expect to get multiple offers. Some people will price it right at market value. Those are the ones that typically sell the fastest or the ones that are priced at market value. When people are trying to get a higher value, it usually sits a long time because the consumers are very savvy. There's a lot of information available to them, and they know what they can do and and not do to those homes to to make them their home. So you want to make sure that a home is priced properly as a seller. And at the same time, you want to go in armed with all the comparables if you're a buyer. And, and that's the realtor's responsibility is to give you accurate comparables and recommend uh, an offer price for that property. All right. Our next question comes from Emma in Richmond Hill. She wants to know how much money should she budget in closing costs? Again, great question, Emma. It depends on if you're a first-time buyer or if you're if you're not, because you're going to get some rebates from land transfer tax and such. So, you know, in general, if you budgeted about one and a half to two and a half percent, that should cover everything and and give you a little bit extra just in case. Now, you're going to have land transfer tax, legal fees. You may have utility deposits if you're a first-time buyer and you haven't had utility accounts before. But there's not uh, there's not much more than that. If you're buying a new build, you might have to budget a little bit more because of uh, development charges that may or may not be capped. So if you're purchasing a new condo or a brand new home, you may need to budget a little bit more. Again, we can kind of go through your purchase and sale agreement and where you're buying and what you're buying and be able to give you a better idea on that. Good question, Emma. Last question is from Lucas in King City. He is currently clearing the clutter in his home. 
to sell, but wants to know how early in this new year can he list his home? Should he wait for the warmer weather of spring? So this year is going to be reminiscent of 2009. That, you know, kind of what we've heard over the last few weeks when we've been predicting 2019. And that's because it was very quiet in 2018. So there's a lot of pent up demand. You're going to see people jump the gun. So they want to, they want to jump the gun just like they did back in 2009 after the lull we had in 2008. Uh, people weren't waiting until February or March. They were trying to hit the market early so they could capitalize on not having competition. Because when you have four or five places for sale on your street, usually the determining factor is price. So you don't want to get into a, a price competition of five or ten or fifteen thousand dollars when the neighbors come on and say, well, I'll just price it five thousand less than that house. You want to be able to get on when there's no competition. So I would suggest, you know, mid-January, end of January, if you wanted to jump the gun on the spring market. If you're not going to be ready, then a typical spring market kicks off at the end of February or so. So you should be ready for that. But you know, to be aggressive and try to get as much as you can for your house, try to get on the market by the end of January. And will that aggressive nature work in his favor because we've had such mild temperatures? We haven't had much snow here in York Region. Do you think that that works in a, a seller's favor? It does because the buyers are out there and you want to be able to see when when you have buyers coming out, even if it's snowing and you know, they have to put on their boots and their coats and their jackets and their caps. Like, you know, they're serious to be able to do that. In the springtime, you get a lot of tire kickers. You have a lot more competition. So the buyers have a lot more choice and they can kind of dictate the terms. When you're the only one on the market and people are out there and they're serious, you're dictating those terms. Some really strong questions this week to kick off the Great new year. Great questions. All right, that's our show for this week. Remember, if you need to connect with Asif Khan or if you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.